welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for the today or this morning or this afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening because after all it's your podcast. So joining me today, he is officially, it's what we call a repeat offender. <laughs> <laughs> it's DC or David or David Carl or Mr. Carl, as I should still be calling him. Any of the um, above is perfectly fine, yeah. <laughs> um, it's good to have you back on. It's good to be back on. It was uh, back in August, wasn't it? I know, I know. It's just like time is, is like, I was like thinking, well, it's not been that long. And then I looked at it and I realized it'd been over six months. So um, because it was right before the Resident Evil campaign yeah kind of kicked off yep so that kind of came and went and then um and then there's been lots of kind of dark soulsy type stuff going on so i guess mm-hmm. the reason to get you the reason i asked i guess the reason i asked you back on was because it was a lot of fun last time and secondly it's just to kind of catch up with yourself and what you know potentially Steamforger are up to and everything like that but for people who are listening for the first time the reason that we do this is because they're quite simply, we firmly believe there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. And there's certainly only a couple of Scottish podcasts out there about <laughs> board games. There's ourselves, there's the Unlucky Frog, there's the also, there's the First Player Token as well, who we have now spoken to, and Unlucky Frog are now our best friends. So it's all very, very good indeed. And the other reason that we're doing this is because um, there's been lots going on at Steamforge Tower. So I thought let's let's yeah. find out actually what's kind of been what's been going on and what's kind of been happening. Um, how's I, I think yourself? too that there's a lot of gaming podcasts out there that are about kind of critiquing games or kind of optimizing your gameplay experiences. That kind of aspect of the hobby but i do think there's plenty of room for podcasts to just want to have fun and play the (laughs) games that are out there i I think that sometimes it's easy to forget with all the competitive oriented podcasts that the reason we do this is to have a good time absolutely we want to we want to be (laughs) we want to be free we want to have fun Mm -hmm. we want to have a good time and if we talk some nonsense during that time then that's kind of fair enough as (laughs) so um you've been busy you've been very very busy um going by kind of production updates but let's um let's touch on resident evil all right um the campaign came in it funded kind of very very well um were you pleasantly kind of were you kind of confident that it was going to kind of do well on the kickstarter with with how it had been kind of marketed and stuff like that? Um, that's a tough one. I think that really depends on who you ask. Uh, for yeah. me personally, I think it did about what I kind of expected. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is not a brand new game with lots of current hype. Um, yeah. So it, it did really well because it has a good strong following, but... Uh, for those who kind of keeping score at home, it didn't do as well as Dark Souls the board game, but that's to be expected from uh, a more focused project where this was the Resident Evil 2 board game rather than Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and also yeah. an older game in terms of the people who had played it and were going to be kind of drawn to it. 
uh, are going to be tapered off relative to people who are still really playing and enjoying the Dark Souls series. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing is as well is there will be there's always the crowd that say, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back another game immediately straight away from the same company until I, you know, I get vision on on kind of what I've backed kind of previously." I guess so you kind of get that, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, no, that that's a- totally fair. Uh, there are people who I I don't think there were that many of them, judging by the comments and the responses that we got, but. There no. were certainly some people who said, I'm going to wait until Dark Souls is 100% fulfilled yeah. uh, and then choose to back future things or not uh, from this company. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, we were a victim of our own success with Dark Souls. Uh, the core game itself is out there. It's in stores. All the backers ha- should have it by now. If you don't, contact support and get it. Um, yeah. But... There's just so many things that got unlocked in the stretch goals, uh, and that just takes time. Like, the production part of it in particular, you, you can't shortcut that. It takes the amount of time it takes to produce the molds, to produce the plastics, to produce the print materials, to package it all, to ship it all. Like, those kinds of things don't happen overnight, and we can wish they would. That's just not how it works. So, uh mm-hmm. I think we talked about it last time, but when Dark Souls was put up on Kickstarter, I wasn't even in the company yet. I was doing some freelance work for them, but at the time, mm-hmm. I was just a backer. And I'd love to get all my Dark Souls stuff, uh, especially now that I've worked on it and I'm so excited about certain expansions, but it takes the time it takes, and it's unfortunate, and I can understand the people who want to wait until they have everything before backing something new, um, but it isn't some sort of conspiracy or anything either. We'll we'll get it. Uh, we have finished it on the development side. Alex yeah. and I worked very dig- diligently. We got that all sorted out. It's ready to go. The plastics, as you've seen in the updates, are being produced. But it's a time-consuming and uh, like just ex- uh, extensive process to get everything both uh, okayed from the people that we're partnered with produced packed shipped there's a lot going on a lot of moving parts did you i mean have you still being you said you said the development process as far as you're concerned is completely complete was there with the stretch goals kind of reaching where there was have you gone back and tinkered things or have you kind of well left alone just to say i've drawn a line under this this is it's finished this is the product kind of going out um, so it depends on which part of it you're talking about. <laughs> we had it split up into, I think, 19 different individual projects <laughs> on our side of things. Uh, and that doesn't include future stuff beyond the Kickstarter that we've also worked on a bit. Um, so for the things that were part of the stretch goals, part of the core pledge, all of that's been done for about nine months, I want to say. Um, But then the stuff that was the add-ons was uh, a little bit past that. And some of the retailer stretch goals were not even 100% done on those yet, actually. We're going to finish those up. But just because of the length of time other things have taken and because of the process that certain things have taken. uh, And some of that was, well, most of that was completely out of our control in terms of the development team. 
Alex yeah. and I can come up with the numbers and stuff, but we can't decide, oh, hey, we're going to go back and redo all these sculpts so that these models have weapons instead of just suits of armor. That's out of our hands. We had that piece of things done ages ago, it feels like, but that was something that was done based on community feedback. And so we've got to be willing to accept that and just say, okay, that's what it's going to be. And it's going to take as long as it takes. And we can't wait for people to get it in their hands, but it's out of our hands. Were you, um, were you aware that you had to take the community feedback on board? I mean, look at it this way for a lot of games out there, the community can make suggestions and then you've got the ability as the creator to turn around and say, well, actually, that's not particularly going to work in the kind of the game plan that we've kind of got down, whether it be in the kind of the IP that it was. Did you feel a little bit of extra kind of pressure to maybe kind of, well, we better kind of maybe think about the community more, kind of maybe toe the line a bit with their wishes and stuff like that? because of the passion that was behind it? I think that there's always a little more of that with Kickstarter, certainly than just random community feedback on Facebook or a forum or something. The Kickstarter backers helped to make the project a reality, helped to grow the project into the form that you see it in today. So there's always a little bit more of that. Uh, In terms of the individual decisions, though, a company is just made up of individuals. Um, when people say, well, Steamforge did X or Y, um, it it's somewhat true, but also you've got different voices. And you've got people who are saying, no, we really need to take the time to do it this way because that's what the community would want most. And then you've got uh, <laughs> Alex and I who are like, no, we made this. It's done. Print it. We want people to have it. We want people to play it. So, I mean, there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of things to consider. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, it's up to the leadership team and what they decide based on all the different factors and weighing the different parts of production, development, the end consumer, the distributor. Like, There's not just one little piece of the puzzle where it's like, this is the right answer and the person to listen to. It's a much bigger consideration. And there's a lot that goes into making a game beyond what it seems like on the surface. Could you end up almost George Lucasing a game, as in picking away at it, picking away at it, trying to make changes, trying to make think you know what your improvements, and then you're kind of moving away from the original kind of pure experience that you originally designed, I guess. Uh, I would say that's certainly possible. <laughs> I've worked on <laughs> games where. Uh, changes have been made kind of late in the process and it's like wait a second this this isn't what we really planned for and now we're changing this how does that cascade what are all of the other moving parts that now need to shift to make that work to make everything fit and and sometimes it's a success and it's awesome and other times it doesn't quite work out as well as you hoped but you do your best with what you're given and uh we're all part of a team in some way shape or form so You've got to work within that team. And sometimes you'll look back at the end and be like, huh, I feel like we could have made some different choices and I had some better ideas. Other times you look back and you say, man, I am glad someone got to go their way instead of the way I was thinking because we've got a much better game as a result. It's all that human element. We're really just individuals going out there doing our jobs, which just happens to be making games. 
have you um have you looked at any of the kind of the va- I mean the variations of the kind of the play rules, the gameplay rules for Dark Souls um, yourself? Have you looked over because the the thing about Dark Souls is, as far as the community goes, there are different kind of runs you can do in the game. There's what they call the one bro run, which is basically you run through the game, you never ever level up, and you beat every bad guy in the game. Um, there's there's other ones where you only use you know you only use certain weapons, you only use a certain type of build. Have you? I mean, with have you looked upon any kind of the, the the house ruling, the real variations that people have kind of been putting together at all? Absolutely. For dark. Yeah, I, I we've presented a few of them in Kickstarter updates or in articles that have gone online somewhere or onto our forums, um, but not a whole lot of them. Just a few ideas. We've also actually incorporated some kind of out of the box campaign ideas in some of the expansion materials. Like there's right. one particular, actually a few different campaigns that are just out of the box. They're wacky stuff. Some of it is things that people talked about during the Kickstarter campaign itself. Some of it is just plain ridiculous ideas we had. Uh, and it's nice to have that freedom. Uh, a lot of games, you you buy the game, you have the game, you play the game, and it is a very fixed experience. Uh, we can all yeah. think of games like that where it's, it's very set. Uh, Dark Souls... Just by the nature of how that game was created and the materials that come within that game, it's really a toolbox. People have been creating their own house rules, their own house campaigns, their own systems for how to play and what things to change and tweak. And that is exactly on point. We wanted that. That isn't something that we look back at and go, oh, I can't believe they're messing up our perfect game. Not a chance. That is something that we want to be part of the Dark Souls experience. If your group would rather not do the uh, kind of grinding through the different uh, encounters and then resetting, going back through, back through, if you would rather do more of a straight through version, we've presented one version to do that. Half a dozen different people on the internet, if not more, have presented their way to do that. You can yeah. play through in more of a like speedrun style. You can play a boss gauntlet. You can play more of like a RPG heavy gameplay style. Like there's so much that you can do with the core components that are provided there. And some mm-hmm. people have just taken that and run with it. There is some fantastic stuff out there in the community. Uh, and I would encourage people to check it out and try it out. See what works best for you. Because games are such a personal experience. It's not just about this is the right answer and the wrong answer. Different answers are right and wrong for different groups. You look at yeah. role-playing games in particular, and the group that's playing the game, they determine what's right and wrong for them. I've played in groups that are very oriented about the story, these characters, what's going on. And I've played with other groups where it's basically a co-op miniatures game. And that's fine, too. It's all down to what you're looking for out of the experience and how you can get it. Hopefully, we've provided the right tools for you to do that. Yeah, I mean, myself, I think one of the only thing that I really do, and I spoke about this when I had um, my friend Patrick Smith from Twin Humanities came on and we kind of did a huge discussion, actually, about the Dark Souls board game at the time, was to say the only thing that I ever do was to slightly weigh the deck 
so that the easier weapons were more guaranteed to be served first and then the bigger, more heavier weapons. Just like the game, you kind of got them kind of close to the game. I don't think I've done any other kind of kind of ruling on it. I Surprisingly enough, I actually usually play Dark Souls solo. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of, I guess, some people say it's a strange way to do things, but it's also, it's a kind of a decent game just to sit down when you're just wanting to while away a couple of hours and you fancy a bit of a challenge and you can kind of you can as I say you can weigh it how you want it to weigh it if you want to make it you can make it super difficult if you want you can make it kind of as easy as possible it's all about kind of having the having the kind of the the fun experience I mean with the with the IP being the way it is I mean there's even a I mean the Dark Souls joy is all going to come rushing back in about another three months time because they're going to be releasing the remaster Right. Of the original PlayStation Three game. So you're gonna get this all this all kinda it's all kinda coming up. Um I mean that's another reason for people to kind of I guess to kinda of be kinda of be diving in. Well, um, and the solitaire play genre has grown so much in the last yeah. ten to fifteen years. Um like if you go back beyond that, looking back in gaming history You've got very simple card games and uh, other sort of experiences uh, with dominoes or tiles that you can play on your own, but a lot of them are very repetitive, not uh, kind of what we think of as modern, fun, enjoyable games that are, are kind of hitting their stride of popularity right now. And then in that last 10 or 15 years, you see competitions that are specifically for What's the best solitaire game out there? You see sites like Board Game Geek ranking the top solitaire games. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was really hoping that we would get a uh, solitaire game award for Dark Souls the board game because I do think it is a rewarding solo play experience. I've uh, during playtesting did a lot of the solo play playtesting, and I was like, this is a fun game, even without anyone else around. I am really enjoying figuring out the challenges of it, figuring out how to kind of make the most of what I have and get to the end, get to that boss and figure out how to defeat them in this battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, putting Dark Souls to one side, have you had a chance to get anything to the table yourself of late? Are you still able to be playing on a regular basis? Are you still, you know, is the Steamforge stuff, you had a lot of focus on that? Well, I mean, you're always going to have a lot of focus on your job, whatever that might be, um, because you spend a lot of time doing that and thinking about that even outside of your work experience. Um, But then you also want to preserve time for your own enjoyment and for your hobbies. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I I try to still strike the right balance. Uh, There are plenty of games that I've enjoyed from the past year or two and had the opportunity to play. Uh, I've also got my family to think about, as we talked about right before we started recording. I've got a new baby in the house, so that's another time commitment. Uh, My wife and I are looking for kind of some quicker games, maybe rather than the more (laughs) (laughs) extended experiences, like something like Dark Souls, which she's a big co-op fan, so uh, Dark Souls she definitely enjoys. Uh, We're also nearing the end of the Mechs vs. Minions campaign. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you plenty of is... other games as well. Uh, different things. I like to back 
uh, things that look innovative and interesting on Kickstarter. Uh, my sister-in-law visited to kind of hang out with my wife and I as we were uh, expecting the baby as she was soon to arrive. And we got to spend some quality time together, but we also played some co-op games ourselves, different things that I've found on Kickstarter or that I've just been having a hankering to play. Uh, I'm also always looking for opportunities to try things out that are kind of in the same genres that I focus on developing. So I took a nice early look at Star Wars Legion, and I've uh, looked into Warhammer Shadespire and uh, plenty of other things out there that are always kind of informing me. I'm just hungry for more information about the games that are out there and what makes them fun, what makes them appeal to people. Uh, And there's just, we're so fortunate in today's day and age with lots of amazing games out there to play and enjoy what's your take on legion then from what you've seen i think that it makes a like pretty uh i think that they took the formula they had with x-wing and kind of expanded it to the more war-based miniatures game Uh, And it's really going to come down to the community, how well that translated. Uh, For me personally, I don't think I'm going to wind up getting into that game too heavily. Uh, I've got enough other miniatures games that I enjoy, and kind of the pitched battle, that many miniatures, is kind of shifting away from that. I'd rather have a smaller miniatures count. Uh, I also, uh, there are things that I like about the system, there are also things that I would prefer other systems instead. So I think for me, I'm not going to get into that particular one very heavily, but I'm certainly not going to blame the people who do. There's a lot of slick stuff going on there, and I think people are definitely going to be trying that out over the next few months, really digging into that, and the community will have to decide where that winds up. Yeah. Yeah, I think my only concern with something like Legion is the, I guess, is the buy-in cost. As in, you know, how much is it going to... It's not a case of how much is it going to cost to get the base game. How much is it going to cost before I can field something which I'm proud of and secondly, something that's actually going to be a winning combination. Because I remember, um, well, it's, you know, X-Wing itself. The base game for X-Wing yeah. gave you very, very little. Let's, you know, let's... And even um, you had to buy kind of a, at least a couple of ships yeah. to kind of get yourself in the kind of the game. So my concern with Legion is more, I must be sounding like an old grump, but my concern <laughs> with Legion is, I think it's more a case of, and you'll be thinking the same thing as, can I, do I buy a set of Stormtroopers or do I buy some nappies? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is yeah. that kind of, but you, you know, there's that kind of, can I, I, I don't know. I, I Do you know what? I will wait and see. There'll be somebody at the local club that will be no doubt, will pick it up, they'll go full helter-skelter for it, they'll come in with a lovely carry case and they'll have their terrain and everything like that and I'll sit there and I'll look at it and I'll go, wow, this looks really, really cool. Um, I've heard <clears throat> I've heard more exciting things about Shadespire, <clears throat> which seems to be more of a smaller, smaller type game, which... Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Have you, if you've managed to play Shadespire yet, or get your hands on a copy yourself? Well, so I'm gonna sidebar for just a second here and throw out a bit of a pitch for an event called Adepticon Winter Warmup. Uh, this, right. is, this is a Guild Ball event that happens before Adepticon proper. 
Uh, the second annual Guild Ball uh, Adepticon Winter Warm-Up was this year. Uh, it was mm. last weekend. Uh, and it is such a phenomenal time. Uh, everybody who comes, a lot of the people there are Adepticon volunteers and staff who don't get to play a whole lot, but do so much for the hobby, so much to make things happen. Guys who spend countless hours making terrain or preparing the event schedule or setting up all of the logistics of Adepticon so that we can go there and have a great time. Uh, and Adepticon is a huge miniatures game event. So being able to take this weekend out and hang out with some of the staff, hang out with some more casual gamers, and just get in a bunch of games of Guild Ball, it's just a phenomenal experience that I would encourage to anyone who has the chance to make it. Um, but after we tore down Adepticon Winter Warm-Up, uh, we went back to... Uh, what we call Garage Mahal, which is uh, <laughs> okay. Hank Edley's giant garage with uh, like a laser cutter and a, a digital printer, 3D printer, wow. and all kinds of gaming stuff. And we we broke out Shadespire and really dug into it for a bit. Uh, yeah. And and you know it, it's like with anything else. Some of the guys really enjoyed it. Some of the guys it wasn't for them. I think they did a lot of really clever things in Shadespire. Uh, I love how the different factions truly feel different. That's one of the things that I personally look for in a game, and you don't always find. Uh, and those factions really have their own character, which is very cool. Um, but I did find that a whole lot could ride on a single roll of one die kind of along the yeah. lines of like a Blood Bowl or something. And and that's yeah. a bit of a turnoff for me personally. For those who don't mind that kind of swingy nature of a single die roll, uh, if that's not something that's a turnoff for you, you'll probably love it because there's a lot of really positive things they did with Shade Spire. The minis look great. Uh, it's easy to understand. So uh, maybe it's for you, maybe it isn't, just like with anything else. When you're going back, I mean, when you're looking at, Legion, when you're looking at Shadespire, do you have a mental note of the systems that they're using and think, you know, um, this is a lesson I can learn, this is a lesson I can kind of take away? I mean, are you do you ever... I take it the work hat can't... Does it ever, like, <laughs> fully get removed from the head? Or is it like, you know, I'm wearing my work hat to the side now because it looks casual kind of thing. Do you always... Are you always... Is your brain always kind of ticking over thinking, well... You know, I don't like this. Therefore, should I consider having a similar system in, in the kind of the games that we're kind of thinking about putting together? I really like the way you put that. the The concept of taking your work hat and kind of shifting the build to the side for a more casual yeah. look. Uh, when we got back to the hotel after the after teardown and after playing a bunch of Shade Spire, uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan Melzer from uh, Cincinnati area, who I was staying with, he said are you always working or do you ever play for fun? And I was like, well, you know, I was definitely kind of picking up on things, looking at things from a certain perspective. And he's like, well, during the Guild Ball events, you played those for fun, right? And it's like, uh, yes. <laughs> but still, your mind's always turning, right? You're always thinking about about the did system, you actually about see, the rules. Did you actually say yes in a high-pitched voice? <laughs> I probably did. did. Like, kind of yeah. my uh, cautious yes, but no. Because <laughs> we're always thinking about what's next. How do we make Guild Ball even better going forward? Uh, what are lessons we can learn, things that we can implement, so that the next team is even more awesome than the last one? 
so that the next season of the rules is even more accessible for new players. We're always trying to pay attention to those things and keep making games better. It's just kind of, I think that's why we're here, right? It's that, you know, I think I could make this particular rule better. People have always said that when they play a game. People have always changed little things about the games they play. And it's those people who are just driven to do that, who can't help but to do that no matter how hard they try. Those are the people who go out there and decide they're going to develop games for a living. So, I mean, where are you in Resident Evil at the moment then? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you've you've had your break, you're still developing away. I mean, is, is Resident Evil 2, as far as you're concerned, have you completely finished the development process, or are you still... Because it sounds to me that what you're doing is you're going back into Steamforged previous kind of catalogue, and you're now getting involved in the tweaking and the moving and the shaking of those kind of IPs. So in terms of Resident Evil, are you is that done? Are you are you walked away from that with, you know, um with, you know, with all your limbs intact and things like that? Well, this is a really good time to kind of clarify that uh Steamforge Games is by no means me. Uh in fact, the game development for Steamforge Games in that arena, I'm kind of now one of the smaller moving parts. Uh as of last week, I, shift, I shifted from uh, the head of game development to actually being part-time and just being one of the game developers. Uh, so I'm no longer even a full-time staffer. I'm still developing games, absolutely. I'm still involved, but I'm also kind of doing the dad thing and figuring out how to care for a little one here. I'm splitting my time between those different things. But on Dark Souls, the board game... You've got Alex Hall, who's done amazing work and just a tremendous job on that stuff. Uh, on Dark Souls, the card game, you've got Bryce Johnston and all the work that he's put in on that. On Resident Evil 2, uh, Sherwin Matthews has been heavily involved. Uh, far, far more involved than I could even possibly dream of being on that particular project. Uh, you've got uh, Jamie Perkins. You've got Steve Morganson. Of course, you've got the creative director, Matt Hart. Like, there's... I'm not Steamforged. I'm just one guy. Uh, and I, now I'm even just one part-time guy. Uh, so in terms of Resident Evil, getting back to your question there, yeah. we have reached the point where we've kind of drawn the line and said the development work is now complete. We're not uh, currently doing a lot of big changes to anything related to how things function. Uh, so we're in that next stage. Uh, there's a lot of editing going on right now. There's a lot of final polish type pass, making sure that the layout is right, the proofing step, all of these other things that it's easy to forget about, but that are so critical to the process. Uh, and I have certainly spent my time in the trenches proofing, but I am not proving Resident Evil 2 whatsoever. So uh, I kind of have washed my hands of that particular project, but there are still members of the dev team, uh, our, our amazing editor, uh, Darla Kennerud, uh, lots of people still, uh, Tom Hutchins, who is our amazing graphic designer, lots of people still putting in a lot of great work to make that project happen, uh, but not me, not anymore. Was it, I mean, was it a relatively easy decision to make? I mean, it must be because you're doing, I mean, it must be because you're doing it. I mean, is it is it the case that you, you haven't, you, you're well-known in the company that 
the part-time thing, that can shift back into potentially being a full-time thing again. I mean, are you quite are you quite happy just to sit there and say, yeah? Because um, getting a work getting a work life balance nowadays for a lot of people is pretty pretty impossible. I mean, for a lot of people, it's pretty impossible to have the kind of the you know the mother and the father not you know at least not both of them working or at least one of them having taking a really really short amount of time off and another one kind of only taking kind of six months off so yeah um was that kind of like was that like was it an easy decision to make or was it a case of no this is this is where i am now i need to balance up i'm going to balance up having a family and balancing up kind of doing the design the development stuff i think that I would lean more towards the second option there of the two. I, I wouldn't say it was easy. Uh, my wife and I talked about it a lot. We talked about our options and what the pros and cons of each choice was. Uh, we're very analytical people. So we kind of mapped it all out and said, what is the right call for Lexi? What would be best for her in terms of childcare or in terms of wanting one of us stopping working or one of us shifting to part-time? What would that look like? Can we support it financially? Like, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, and we kind of looked at all those pieces of it and looked at what aspects of the work I would still be most able to do in, in kind of a part-time capacity. And it, I, it's only the second week. I, I can't make broad sweeping <laughs> statements about how it's going to go long term. But yeah. I think this is working out so far really well short term. Uh, and then who knows down the road uh, when when I'm a dad whose kids are in school, maybe I switch back to something more full time than what I'm doing right now. I don't know. We'll see. But as parents, you got to make some tough choices. And I think we did that. And they're the right choices for right now. And I also think that they're a good choice for Steamforge for right now. I think me being able to stay involved in the projects I'm involved with, I think that's a nice way to do that uh, rather than me just suddenly like dropping everything because I had a kid. Um, yeah. So I'm able to stay involved in the Dark Souls stuff that we're still finishing up, able to stay involved kind of... I was already a bit on the sidelines with God Tier, providing more kind of design feedback rather than development. Uh, yeah. There's always been other guys who are more immersed in the competitive scene of Guild Ball than I am, but I can still provide that voice saying, hey, let's make sure this guild feels cool and unique. Let's make sure this new player feels cool and interesting and different. Um, so being able to provide that continuity, I think, is very important, but also doesn't necessarily have to be full time either. Yeah, I mean, you are going to be, you know, when Lexi goes to school, it's going to be, you're, you are going to have one of the coolest sounding job titles. So when, you know, the first couple of days of kindergarten or whatever, it's <laughs> going to be, what is your, what does your dad do? And it's like, oh, he, he sells cars or what does your dad do? Oh, he, you know, he works in the city in a bank. What does your dad do? He's a board game developer. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of like, yeah, there you go. One up. I just need to like thing. tack on to that, like rescuing someone from a fire or something, and just like really <laughs> put it over the top. I kind of I get people to roll sixes, but I also, um, you know, I work out regular as well. You know, yep. <laughs> I roll dice, but I'm I'm buff with it. 
I'd like just like to get a like point. Ah, uh, that's a fair point. I'm kind of fully embracing dad bod at this point. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like no, it's a spoon. It's uh, it's you know I've got to eat because I got to keep my strength up. It's like do you have to have two pizzas? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know. See with you. This is a thing, because I've got, you know, we spoke this before, I've got kids, and I talk about, you know, obviously playing kind of games with the kids. With you, are you going to be the type of dad that's going to, like, are you going to be producing King Domino instead of Monopoly? You know, when, when you say, let's all sit around and play a game, are you going to introduce them straight into kind of, like, you know, you're going to learn how to read by playing code names? You're going to well, kind of... I mean, King Domino is a great example. You can teach yeah. anyone to play King Domino, and it's a good game. Um, yeah. It's not like the most competitive game in existence, of course not, but it's a simple game that has strategy, that has interesting player choice. That is the exact type of stuff that I want to be the focus for kind of family game night at my house. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I'm going to, you know, I've said this before, said this in a recent episode that we did get a copy of Monopoly Gamer for Christmas and it is different enough from normal Monopoly for it does it for it to be brought to the table a couple of times because it's very very easy and it doesn't kind of overstay its welcome but I will probably I couldn't see me sitting down nowadays and not having and having the kids you know if the kids kind of brought out like frustration or Ludo or something like that, me not kind of reaching into the cupboard and not saying, hey guys, do you want to play, you know, do you want to play, I mean, we played Dinosaur Island last Sunday, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I can't see us kind of going back and playing kind of like a, I guess a kind of like a, a smaller, a kind of like a smaller game. Um, it comes back to what I was saying earlier. We're just so yeah. fortunate right now. We're spoiled for choice. There are so many amazing games out there that I don't feel the need to ever open a box of Monopoly again. <laughs> no offense, Monopoly. No, none whatsoever. Oh, that's you know, it has it still have its place because it will still be. Listen, it's still in the main. It's still in the main shelves and most of the main toy places. Yeah. So while that's while it's still there, then that's going to be that is kind of going to be the going to be the case. Um, I mean, with you. With you going kind of part time at Steam uh, Steamforce, has that um, is that going to give you time to look at kind of other kind of miniature smaller projects yourself? I mean, will you still be able to? Will you look back, dig out some old projects of your own, or are you going to be Lexi Steamforce and that's it? There isn't going to be any kind of other dilly dallying. That is an excellent question. Uh, I think for the very short term. I think no other dilly-dallying, but my mind is also always wandering. I've already got a few random, silly ideas for small box games that are kind of inspired by having a kid. Just kind of some some wacky stuff. Things that wouldn't really be Steamforged titles, like uh, Bluff Baby is kind of a, <laughs> an idea I'm, I'm toying with. I've got, got some ideas kicking around for that. A few different ways it could work, but... Uh, not nothing set in stone yet. So it's possible that at some point when the timing works out right, that I'll put up some just kind of like little boutique Kickstarter products that a few people might want to back to 
get their baby's name into into Bluff Baby or something and produce 100 or 200 <laughs> copies. But in terms of like really going out there and doing other big projects, that my focus there is definitely Steamforged. Uh, there's still so much going on with Guild Ball. I think Guild Ball, the releases this year, we've got lots of really interesting and cool stuff on the horizon. And then when we hit season four, I think that's the time to really start saying that Guild Ball, tell your friends. Like, just bring other people on board to try out miniatures gaming. Uh, we've got enough plastic teams now that it doesn't matter if you're afraid of exactoing and super gluing your hands together. Nope, just pop out a plastic team, throw them on the pitch, and play a game of Guild Ball. Uh, it'll be really where we want it to be in terms of that accessibility factor. Uh, and then you've got stuff like God Tier on the horizon, as well as board yeah. games like Resident Evil, Dark Souls, card games. Like, there's just so much going on there that I don't need big projects of my own on top of all of that. Well, let's face it. After being part of Dark Souls, you probably you probably don't need a big box board game for a good <laughs> three four years. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I I have definitely gotten a real appreciation for the games that have a lot of depth within their simplicity, within their elegance. Uh, It's something I've always looked at is kind of that rules elegance of being able to do a lot with very little. Um, But it's something that I've truly embraced in the past couple of years because because we're always growing, like in our jobs, we're always learning more. We're always trying to apply it more, uh, and that's something that I really looked at a lot with God Tier. Uh, again, Alex Hall has done some amazing work on that. Plenty of other guys at Steamforge have been involved with God Tier, uh, but I think it's really just been in the past past month or so that uh, maybe month or two that Alex and I have really hit that 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 elegance button. Like really tried to get the rule book simplified, cleaner, shorter, get it so that anyone who picks that up can read it fairly quickly. Um, like you, you <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I can say this or not. I'm sure I can. Ideally, you should be able to rate, read a game's rule book while you take a poop. Like that should be it. You, you obviously got you got baby brain. Yeah, I'm yeah, just that's telling, fair. I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you that. Like, I take it you've. I take it with the uh, with Lexi being in the two week. Um, two months. Yeah, the yeah. Two, the two months. Sorry, you've experienced the. Did you get a chance to experience the first um, poo that she did? Oh sure, the kind yeah, of the yeah. black tarry. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I think it was New Year's Day. Her first true <laughs> poop explosion. Like, where it just got everywhere. It's like, what is going on? But that is not a game that we want to talk about. <laughs> it's not. It's like, you know, it's like um, there is no kind of nat 20s when you're changing a little <laughs> new baby's nappy. You know, there's no, there's no, I'm going to wing this this time. There is no planning. You cannot, you cannot roll with advantage. <laughs> it's never ever gonna happen. There that are is no a skill lot cards. of gaming metaphors. I don't think I've there ever no heard skill... that many gaming metaphors in one sentence before in my there life. There are no skill cards you can add. I mean, it's nope. never ever gonna happen. You know, especially you know. But at the same time, there is nothing cuter than seeing a little human person who hasn't been around an awful lot 
doing that face of pure concentration <laughs> without complete shame. Yeah. Then you're, st- <laughs> you know, just, I'm going to do this. I'm actually doing this. I know that your relatives are visiting me, but look at this face <laughs> I'm going to put on kind of thing. You know, I am. <laughs> it's like they've got the face that somebody's got um, analysis paralysis when they're right, deciding right. they're going to do a power grid. <laughs> It's do like I go for the face. snapshot or I ju- do I just pass to the model back there? <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. he's just pooping. He's just pooping. She doesn't know if he's going cool or nuclear or just getting some more money this turn. No, no, he's definitely pooping. Are you sure? Because <laughs> he's 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 twenty seven. <laughs> but there's hope. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's an experience and a half. You know, people that haven't had um, kids yet, you've you've got a whole entire world of gaming metaphors that aren't simply going to help you. There, There <laughs> is another piece of it, though, that, that is so common. It's that, that learning moment. Like, we've all seen, whether it's... you Usually you notice it in somebody else rather than yourself, but you're playing a game, and someone has that aha moment. They figure out some element of the game that's going to make all the difference. And you see on their face, I understand this now. I'm going to use this new knowledge. I'm going to wreck people. I think babies do that. At least my baby does that. Like She gets this face where she's like, I've figured this out. I know what to do with this new knowledge and I'm going to use this. <laughs> I can blow bubbles out my nose. <laughs> The the world can't stop me now. <laughs> yep. Is that that? But that's a sign of a good game. Yeah. I think it's the it's when you get that kind of that kind of a, it clicks and I kind of get it and I think it's um, the longer it takes for that click to happen, the longer it kind of increases the the length of time before somebody moves to enjoying a game. Yeah, and I think um, having lots of different clicks. Um, like ha- there are a lot of campaign based games these days having each scenario have its own unique twists and turns um, have you played mechs versus minions I have got mechs versus minions do okay. you know what I did as yeah. a quick aside do you know the box that you get inside that we opened up yeah um, yeah I put a video of me pretending to open up that box and when you opened it up I had one of my I had my son's yellow minion in there <laughs> so opened up and says and this is me and i got so much flack from people thinking i'd spoiled mix versus oh, wrong minions still, huh? yeah exactly that's what i said i said that's not a minion <laughs> kind of thing so yeah so i'm still probably there's still probably somebody out there in in facebook land kind of cursing me for yeah kind of, yeah Cursing me for kind of doing that. But anyway you were saying yeah, yeah mix versus so minions lots of those different game. moments where things click um one of the ones that comes to mind right now because of the recent coverage and recent release uh, is Dark Souls the card game where people yes. are saying, oh, you know, this is so difficult. And it's like, well, the first time or two you play, yeah, but you're going to have various moments that click. And when they do, you're suddenly going to find the game almost too easy. So you can make some tweaks and change some things to make it more difficult again. Or, of course, naturally, my, my solution is, oh, well, then you need to get one of the expansions and have some new challenges. Where, where, were you involved? Were you quite involved in the development of the card game as well, then? Was that also part of something that you worked with with the rest of the team? 
So I did the initial design on Dark Souls, the card game. That was something that Ooh. I came up with kind of completely off on the side. We, the, the, the initial idea for what we might do with a Dark Souls card game was completely different than where we wound up. But I had this idea of what I call a deck evolution card game. Uh, like a deck building game in terms of your deck does change and grow over the course of the game. But rather than it being something that happens every single turn, it's something that happens at discrete points within the game. So in the case of Dark Souls, when you rest at the bonfire, you really retool your deck. You change the cards that are in it, you get better stamina cards, you get a bigger deck, like you just get a better deck to continue on into the game. Uh, And so I made the initial prototype for it uh, and we had a development week where uh, we talked about that game and where it could go. We did a bunch of testing on Resident Evil 2. We looked into the very first minor guilds for Guild Ball, uh, like a whole bunch of stuff. We uh, we kind of snuck off on our own, the whole development team from Steamforged, and really figured out a lot of cool new things we were going to make for the coming year. Was that when you went up to the cottage again? We did. Uh, a different cottage, but yeah, we uh, oh. kind of secreted ourselves away and did a whole bunch of development work kind of intensively uh, during that time. Uh, and then once we did, uh, Bryce Johnston, who has done a lot of work on Guild Ball, uh, he and I did a lot of the work on the Rookie League for Guild Ball in particular. Uh, he also does a lot with the Warriors Guild. Uh, he took over that project and I just kind of shifted into kind of a more advisory capacity. I, I still provide a little bit of input, but he's really mm-hmm. done the heavy lifting on all the development of the various different cards, the different bosses, the different expansions, uh, taking that deck evolution engine and really making it hum, really tuning it up. So you're proud of how the game's kind of finished up now that it's, you know... I am. In its current form, yeah. I, I'm proud of how it's finished up. I, I'm proud of the amazing work that Bryce has done on it. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of the initial idea. Uh, I also am proud of a potential future for other deck evolution card games that we could make uh, and have with different IPs or different styles of game even, where you have this sort of, uh, it's a very deck-oriented game, but rather than constantly changing it and tweaking it, you've got these discrete steps where you really kind of dig into that deck building element of gaming and make something cool and venture out to the next goal, the next challenge that lies ahead of you. And you mentioned expansions as well. So are there are there kind of expansions packs already in works in progress available for the Dark Souls card game? Uh, the first expansion is already locked from a development standpoint. I It might even be done with proofing. I know it was done with initial layout. Um, so yeah, there's there's more coming. It's the the first printing of Dark Souls the card game is already completely sold out at the manufacturer level. Um, you can still certainly get it from distributors and from retailers, um, but we're already going into the second printing of the core game at the manufacturer level. So that's super cool. Um, and then we'll also have expansions coming to, for the game. Uh, down the road. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I'm not sure what's officially allowed to be said, but that first expansion, already well on its way from the development standpoint, just need to do all of that final proofing, 
uh, mm. manufacturing, uh, shipping, all those other steps that are easy to forget about but take their own time. Okay. And for those that had um, jumped into the Dark Souls board game, does the card game have aspects of the three Dark Souls games in there? Or is it just Dark Souls, the card game, and it, it's not including two or three? Oh, no, it's it's the same style in terms of uh, neither game is specific to one uh, particular entry in the series. Um, so one expansion could have all of the boss encounters be from Dark Souls 3, and the next expansion it could be from Dark Souls 1, or it could be a mm-hmm. mix and match. Yeah, yeah, we don't really have... Uh, we're not tied to specific entries. Uh, the reason we did that with Resident Evil was uh, kind of to create a very... The, the Resident Evil games differ more, I would say, in terms of the experience than the Dark Souls games do. In the Dark Souls games, you're always trying to like go from the bonfire, gather the souls, upgrade your dude, kill the bosses. Like It's a, yeah. it's a very consistent experience. The Resident Evil games have a more unique twist on each entry. Like, they're a different style of game sometimes in each entry. So we wanted each board game to be very true to what it was trying to uh, replicate in terms of the experience. Uh, I think we talked a little bit last time I was on about kind of the, the simulationist aspect of taking an IP and turning it into a board game versus yeah, abstraction. Yeah. And... What you really want to do is find what is the core, what makes this particular game or IP interesting, entertaining, enjoyable, and how do I turn that element into a cool aspect of a board game? Uh, And in terms of Resident Evil, I don't think you can successfully do that across the entire game line. So that's why we kind of stuck to specific entries in the series. Yeah, no, I think you'd be doing a disservice as well. I think that um, if you said, here's Resident Evil and we're introducing characters from, say, Resident Evil 4, or even if you went further and said, okay, here's an expansion pack which is characters from Resident Evil 7, I think you would get accused of not understanding how different the kind of the games are, I think. Well, and even the style of game. Some of them are far more survival horror style and some of them are more dungeon crawl style. Uh, mm. And doing those things in a board game are very different. Uh, I personally consider the uh, survival horror genre to possibly be the toughest type of board game to make. Because when you go into a board game, you kind of want to be a superhero. You kind of want to be a badass and just like yeah. kill all the things that get in your way. And that's yeah. fine for a dungeon crawl. But when you're doing survival horror and you're trying to capture that feeling of, Ugh, can I even afford to use one bullet to turn this guy down? It's like, that's a very different style of gameplay. Yeah, I mean, I think the only game where there's been that kind of level of tension that I've played personally, um, there was a couple. Um, one of them was Dead of Winter. Oh, uh-huh. Which yep. I think does a, which does an excellent way of kind of building up a threat which the threat is internal and it isn't even external yeah. the zombies could be there or not be there but there's still the threat of is somebody the betrayer here um, is somebody going to make things really really difficult or are we going to actually 
going to end up with getting a couple of bad bits of luck and, and losing a couple of people that's going to, you know, make us lose that round and lose morale and then die. I think the only other one which was exceptionally good at building tension and excitement was, for me, was Letters from Whitechapel. Yeah. I don't think... Um, I think the last round, I don't think there was a breath. <laughs> was the I think everybody could have held... Can I hold their breath for that that kind of thing? But um, I think if, if we picked a different genre, if we said, what are some deck building games you enjoyed, or what are some dungeon crawl games you enjoyed, or worker placement games, like we could come up with lists for each of these things. Mm. But when yeah, it comes yeah. to survival horror, it's a tough genre to do well. And those are some good examples of people who really kind of cracked that code. And I, I hope we did with Resident Evil as well. You really are going to have to think about when do you use those bullets? When do you save them? When do you use a new clip? Or when do you just kind of run for the exit and try and get to the next scenario? So we'll we'll see. I'm very hopeful. I, I think it's come such a long way since the Kickstarter. A lot of people have put in a lot of time on really trying to, to hone that experience. So we shall see. Do you... um? Do you wish that you guys had managed to get the the Bloodborne kind of franchise? You know, the other FromSoft game, which was, you know, very, very kind of Lovecraftian type based, you know, Cthulhu, Mesoth, Mythos, Elder Gods kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I that that is an interesting question because I don't know if we did or didn't even go after Bloodborne. Uh, there is a Bloodborne card game already out there. Yes, there is. Um, I, and it's Eric, Eric Lang did it. Yeah. And um, yeah. Have you played um, it? Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've I mean I've I've played it. Um, I've got it, and uh, um, yeah, I've played it. I I do wonder if they've still got the license on that locked down. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know how long the license agreement was for or anything. Um, so maybe we didn't go after it because of that. Uh, I also don't think it's a direct translation to go from Dark Souls to Bloodborne. I think you definitely need to look at that engine. Uh, one of the big aspects of Dark Souls is that that choice between building for dodge or building for block and resist. Uh, and you yeah. don't really have that same sort of mechanic uh, in no, Bloodborne. No, 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 at all, yeah. Yeah, no, so, no, I mean, no. so there are, there are I mean, definite aspects that we'd have to seriously kind of rethink and retool. Um, but... I would be interested to someday try to make a board game in that world if given the opportunity. Um, but I don't know the story behind that one. That is a question for another man, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, I'd be interested to see how the rally mechanic, because like how Dark Souls is all based around knowing when to press and attack and knowing when to kind of jump back and guard yourself, Bloodborne is, as you know, the key mechanic is if you get hit, if you hit somebody back straight away, you gain back pretty much, you know, you got a chance to gain back the damage that you've just received. And I don't think, I don't think I've seen that mechanic in in a game, in a, in a board game anyway. I don't think I've yeah. seen it in a miniatures game where, you know, normally what would happen is there's a defense dice that gets rolled or it's based, you know, are you beating the armor? I don't think I've seen one where you're essentially... <clears throat> you can exchange if somebody attacks you and attacks you successfully 
you get a chance to kind of smack them back straight away and basically negate the the attack the you know the the, the kind of the the attacking blow that they for the damage that they've given you and I think that would be an interesting thing to see I think one of the reasons is that there's a lot of us a lot of us bloodborne fans out there and it's a game that um is still getting looked at is still getting you know people are people are mining the content the mm-hmm. graphic files and they're finding a whole load of content that wasn't used in the main game but i think what a lot of people would love to see is if you you know would be if somebody went out there and said okay here is your bloodborne game and here are all the miniatures right boom i think you know that's one of the things i think the dark souls board game has done kind of very well um you know missteps aside or whatever people complaining about you know certain characters not having weapons and stuff like yeah, that yeah. you know it's like you know there's a lot of people that um as i say paddy smith that was on the show he spent a lot of time painting up his dark souls miniatures he does some fantastic kind of character painting so i just like to see you know some i guess sometimes when you want to see um uh, an adaption of a game into a board game, you would like to see it because I'd like to have the miniatures yeah. as well because you know they would make me kind of they would make me kind of drool. Well, and um, that's always tough too when you're talking about licensing opportunities. It's like okay, yeah. well, this is super cool and we've got this really great idea, but this great idea doesn't use miniatures. So there's going to be a segment of the audience out there who's going to be so disappointed if we do this, even though it's such a good game. Um, like there's a game that, that we're not going to make. Uh, so I'm not going to go into too much detail or say which game it was, but we made a really interesting, I think, uh, tile oriented positional uh, game with a lot of, unique player choices and unique game mechanics but it's like if we go down this route we're not going to have any miniatures and people are going to be expecting that they're not going to want to play it or they're not going to want to back it because they came to this game expecting and desiring miniatures from the video game they played yeah no i mean i've seen that again and again and again i think um even games that haven't come from IPs, um, I think City of Kings, which um, is actually getting fulfilled quite soon. But Frank West, when he ran that campaign, and uh, hey Frank, <laughs> if you're out there, um, the question he got asked again and again and again, you have these beautiful illustrations, when are you turning them into yeah. miniatures? And you had to turn around and say, listen guys... 25 grand to do these things right plus the rest well i mean change it you know and that's for just you know yeah it's for just a few miniatures right yeah exactly so that you know i I think it's you know when you're bringing miniatures to the party i think it it kind of ramps up the well look at a look at your average kind of uh, simon game now right right and bigger miniature games i mean kickstarters are creeping quite easily over the the hundred dollar yeah 115 120 dollar mark and you know, you've got to wonder... Um, well, and if you, you know, don't have a really good channel for selling tons and tons and tons of copies, those tooling costs are just brutal. Like you were talking yeah. about a guy who he's taking his own artwork and going to try and translate that to miniatures. Well, for board game miniatures, most people these days are expecting plastics. And the tooling cost for plastics is just so high. And unless yeah. you get 
tens of thousands of backers, you're not going to be able to offer people the quality of miniatures they really want out of the game or the quantity of miniatures they really want out of the game for the cost because of just that steep startup aspect of it. Yeah, it's when you see expansion packs on, you know, or let's face it, the expansion packs that came with the Dark Souls game, the... The one for um, <clears throat> sorry the the one for Dark Root Basin, yeah. You know there was there was a reasonable cost to that, and it's like well I've got to, we've got to cover the kind of the the tooling of the miniatures and giving you the miniatures in the first time. You know, cardboard printing cardboard, okay, we can accept, but it's like the money is always going to be kind of eating into the into the miniatures. Yeah, I mean if the if there was an IP, I mean if there was any IP. Because one of the one of the questions I've seen kind of kicking about, and there always seems to be this kind of thing where somebody sees, puts a question up on a Facebook group, and then you see the same question kind of proliferated about several kind of Facebook kind of groups. It's usually just a variation of the same question. But if you, I mean, if you had the chance to take any IP and turn it into a board game, I mean, would there be anything that you would like to do yourself? It doesn't have to be a video game. It could be a film. Could be a book. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem with answering that question is so many of the things that come to mind have already been done. Like, uh, I, I'm i a StarCraft fan. I enjoyed playing that oh. game a ton back in the day. I think they did some really unique things with the races and making them truly unique. Um, when a lot of their, the other games at the time, you're basically just playing different colors of the same stuff. Um, so... But there's already a StarCraft game. Uh, there's already a Firefly game. There's already how many Star Wars games? Um, so I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one because there are just so many great, fun IPs out there. I am going to go ahead and say I would love to do a Marvel superheroes board game. I, oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that because I can't think of one that I would consider a true Marvel superheroes board game. There, there was a miniatures game briefly, uh, like a hobby miniatures game briefly. There was also the WizKids miniatures game for quite some time. But in yeah. terms of a self-contained, possibly with expansions, Marvel superheroes board game, don't know if it could ever happen feasibly, but I think that could be a lot of fun. I think that also plays to my strengths of trying to evoke certain personalities on the tabletop. I think a lot of times it's it's tough to get the right balance. You can even either go overboard where uh, you make the powers so over the top that the game itself just falls apart due to lack of balance, or you can focus so heavily on the balance that you don't truly feel like Quicksilver can run everywhere on the entire board, or that... Deadpool is truly unkillable and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think myself, having um, started to dip into the Book of Dust, yeah. um, I think I'd probably go for something based around the kind of the, his dark materials, I think. I'd like to see something which would go between kind of like a journey type thing. So as a board scenarios. game then? Yeah, I think that would be an interesting one. I'd like to see how you bring in dust, how you see you bring in the different... Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see something done with it. Um, there's obviously other ones. Um, I don't know. Has, has there been a... 
There is, I mean, there's countless kind of Star Trek role playing games. Yeah. Is there is there a Star Trek board game? Was that a big one? Huh. That is a good question. I'm sure there is somewhere. I can't think of one off the top of my head though, which somebody in the comments is going to be like, "How could you forget this?" But <laughs> it's okay. We don't. We don't want them to comment. <laughs> hey, do you know what? We could always just go for a family favorite, like uh, say the Golden Girls. Oh wow! There's not. There's <laughs> not. Sure a golden, not. <laughs> there's not a Golden Girls See, board game. We say that, but watch there be Golden Girls Monopoly. Someone's going to be like, "Didn't you know?" There it's is. Like, uh, there yeah, is. No. Yeah. There is going to be some kind of card game. It's like, can you be Dorothy? Can you get yourself a date? Golden you know, Girls Life. Yeah. Do you guys oh have Life, goodness. the board game? You do, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. I'm actually. I. I got. I won't be able to sleep tonight unless I actually know. <laughs> If there is a gold, oh no, it's been auto correct. It's been auto filled by Google, which means potentially we could be looking at the Golden Girls board game. Is there a Golden Girls board game? There is. Well, and that's You're absolutely one of the... right. There, <laughs> there's a board. There's a Monopoly Golden yeah. Girls. That's game. one of the funny things too, because like in the past couple of years, I think four different Princess Bride games have come out. And that's not yeah. a recent movie. Labyrinth no. has had uh, a card game and a board game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like, IPs... That's, that still hurts, <laughs> because I heard people saying that the Labyrinth one could have been maybe slightly better. I haven't had the chance to play it. Uh, the board game or the card game? Or is no, there the board only game. one? I don't know. The board ga- I think the board game yeah. suffers from really good miniatures and not, not an awful lot. There's a Clue yeah. Golden Girls game. Nice. David. You guys call it Cluedo, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You call it Clue, and it's Cluedo over here. Yeah. But, I mean, there is definitely there's Golden Girls Monopoly. There is um, whether it exists or not, it's on Amazon.com. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I know what I'm getting you for your baby shower <laughs> gift, David. Licenses are such a fascinating thing. They really it's are. Just amazing. I'm, it's just like who did it? I'm a little it's surprised old. that no one like. If I had like more money than I knew what to do with, I would try to make a system for pairing up license holders with license meters. Like kind of the Uber of licenses. So that all these people who are holding obscure licenses could get good rates and good deals uh, on a return on their investment. And then people who are looking to make games and have good ideas and have uh a, a target audience are able to kind of pair up and make cool stuff because uh, there's not really anything like need. that that i know of um i think if you want to uh, um solve the hilarious mystery of who ate the cheesecake <laughs> this is actually from the AM description custom illustrated game board to feature the golden girl's house did you ever wow. see anything more than the living room in the kitchen plays your favorite golden girl <laughs> Sorry, I mean, you know, I mean, David, that's instant purchase. I can get that sent over from America for 40 bucks. <laughs> Don't do it. I think I have to do it. I'm, pre- I'm pressing the buy it button now. It's either that wow. or I get the Monopoly. It's just absolutely, I just can't believe nah, it. Nah, go with Cluedo over Monopoly. I think I'm going to go with Cluedo over Monopoly. I think that's what we have to do. <laughs> so there we go. We're, we're putting aside kind of, um, we've got in your corner. You want to create a Marvel board game, and yeah. I'm all over. I'm all over. I'm all over. 
all over Blanche. <laughs> wow. Like a like a cheap suit. Um so there you go. Everybody learns something tonight. Um Oh my goodness. This is what happens. We start talking and then we don't stop talking. Yeah. As is as is always the case. Um the world of Listen, games thanks. is just such a fascinating place. There is a fascinating no way you could really uh, run out of things to talk about. No, never, 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 never. Um, thank you for coming on again. It's always a pleasure. You are officially not only a father, but you're also a repeat offender. Mm-hmm. That's what we call people that come on. So there you go. Um, if people want to keep an eye on yourself, um, where where can we find you on the interweb nets? Uh, so on Facebook, you can look up Clockwork Phoenix. Okay. Um, and of course, you can always pay attention to whatever's going on at steamforged.com. Yes. Excellent. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes. Sounds good. We have notes this show. Um, listen, no, thank you again for coming on. And, and uh, all the best for the future with you. You and your new family, well, which sounds exci- exciting times indeed. Thank you very much for having me on again. I always have a good time when we get to chat and just look into this crazy world we live in with all these awesome games out there and Golden Girls. Uh, I'm golden. Who knew? I mean, I'm sorry. That's on its way. I'm going to get the dispatch. <laughs> the dispatch email is going to happen. And they can send stuff over and they even like take into account the customs. So I'm definitely sorted. I'm going to see if I can get it in the UK, maybe slightly cheaper. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, we do actually want to thank you for being a friend. Uh, travel down the road and back again. <laughs> Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if I threw a party, I'd invited everyone you knew. I'd ask you to go on Twitter and <laughs> see what we're doing. Uh, uh, we're Not Wizards. I'd ask you to go on to Facebook and check us out on We're Not Wizards. I'd ask you to go on to YouTube and search for We Are Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast and you can find us there. You can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on Spreaker, you can find us on Acast, you can find us on Podknife, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And as we always say, um, if you like us very much, please give us a subscription. Are always very, very much appreciated. If you like us even more, then consider giving us a rating or a review. And remember... Um, don't give us 10 stars because it just makes us big headed and we're <laughs> impossible to deal with, we are, we become like Blanche at Golden Girls, but don't give us a 1 because you make us sad and morose like Dorothy <laughs> at Golden Girls give us give us a 5 because it's in the middle and it's just like is it Estelle Getty? <laughs> the mother? I don't know why Wise and happy. There you go. If it's, ro- if it's wrong, we're sticking with it. It doesn't matter. I'm just running with the whole Golden Girls thing. There you go. We start off Dark Souls. <laughs> we, end up, we end up like Solaire. There you go. Praise the sun. He's the, go- the golden the sun. sun. The golden sun with the Golden Girls. That's an excellent way to tie everything together. Oh my goodness. So much editing is going to need to be done to make this <laughs> even make any sense. Um... There's only a couple more things to do. Um, it's probably going to be inundated with like board games now. Um, the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, David? No, definitely not. 
but we are many definitely. things. We are definitely many things. Uh, we're obviously closet eighty sitcom fans, um, among other things. Um, and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, the fantastic, um, the amazing Mister DC, Mister David Carl, or Mister Carl, as he's told me, I've got to call him. <laughs> no. um, best, best of luck to you and Lexi. And I hope everything goes fantastically well. But thank you again. Well, thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. And um, just forget the last five minutes because everything else was really, really good. (laughs) (laughs) But until the next time, uh, thank you for being a friend. I want to thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) 